So your grandma, great grandmother, your mother, all paid tithes faithfully every Sunday, and they went home struggling, wondering how they go pay the light bill, the rent, the mortgage. But your pastor probably drive off in a two hundred thousand dollar car, and probably drive all the way to a million dollar home. When are we going to start asking the black churches, what are we doing for the black community? You want to know what they're doing with the $418 billion that goes through the church community? Welcome, guys, to Unethical and Accountable, presented by me, Dwayne Walden. And myself, Cameron Floyd. So on this podcast, we're going to be talking about a lot of unethical things that goes on in our culture, and also holding those unethical people accountable for their actions. Now, before we get started, I want to let you guys know that this podcast is being presented by Rhino Academy. Com. So guys, if you're looking to raise your credit score from the 400, the 500, the 600 into the 700, 800 club for free, make sure you head over to rhinoacademy.com. Not only will you learn how to fix and repair your credit for free, they will also teach you how to build your credit, right? And once they teach you how to build your credit, they also show you how to get approved for high limit credit cards. So if you're looking to get approved for high limit credit cards and then leveraging those high limit credit cards to bring back residual income all for free, make sure you head over to rhinoacademy.com. Guys, it's very important to build and leverage your credit. So with that being said, let's get into today's show. So most of you guys probably got here because you probably seen our ad on Facebook, YouTube, whatever the option is. And today's show is based off, do you believe religious is holding back the black community? So Cam, you know, we both was raised into the church. So, you know, t- tell me um, what have church done for you? Uh, how you feel or uh, what you believe church should do. So I, I say church has done a lot of, lot for me personally. Um, growing up, I was, you know, always in the church, whether that's um, junior deacon, um, in the choir, playing instruments. Um, the church instilled a sense of community within me, you know, so those members in my church growing up when I was younger, those, those are like my family members now. Um, you know, anywhere I go, I remember the things I learned while I was in church. Um, now, I will say there were a lot of things going on that I see now, you know, I think of now, and I think we could have did that better. Um, you know, going to a historical church, um, you know, we were doing a lot of things that, you know, were traditional. When we're in an age where sometimes you have to go outside your comfort zone, comfort zone to, you know, prosper, to, 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 to be successful. So um, a lot of the things that, you know, I saw, um, I think about it now, and I'm like, we could have been in a better space than we were, you know, when it comes to money, when it comes to membership, when it comes to, you know, not having those youth there after, you know, my people that were my age, right. you know, we had that gap. So, 
Um, a lot of things I felt we could have did differently, but I will say that um, the church definitely impacted my life and, and, and had a factor in the person that I am today. So I'm actually with you. So, you know, we actually, you know, grew up in the same church. And you know me, I also, you know, I sung in the choir. Was part of the usher board. Like my grandma, you know, your auntie, your mama, none of us, they didn't play that. You either had to be in church. Uh, I mean, if you wanted to go outside, you had to go to church. So, you know, <laughs> I grew up in the church. Sundays, all day. All day we in church. Sunday school. <laughs> Sunday school. Yeah. What you got? Wednesday school. Bible study. Yep. Uh, we was Choir on Saturday. Oh, and we got early morning service <laughs> before Sunday school. It was yeah. everything. Everything. So I, I could truly say, you know, the church did wonders in my life too. So mm-hmm. I, I could always say, you know, I don't know what I would have, where would I have been without the church. So I could truly say the church did wonderful things for me. So um, I can never say that. But, you know, in, in this world, there's always two sides to everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the, when it comes to the church industry, the religious industry, it's a lot of things that could be presented into the community that the black churches, one may not either know or they they might know, but they're not presenting it to us. Or three, we're not holding these churches, you know, accountable for bigger actions that they can actually do. So I'm actually going to, you know, let the audience know a couple of notes that I find that I thought was very intriguing to me that, you know, we need to share out there. So for those of you who don't know, the church is actually a business, right? As much as it's a house of worship, as much as the you know this church is the pillar of the community, they're supposed to be mm-hmm. there to help people. It's actually a business, also, right? You got we have to understand, you know, the people of the churches pay the lights, they pay the taxes. It basically keeps everything operating in that church, and it's that church job and obligation, the pastor or the trustee board members. To make sure whatever is coming into that church is actually being output into the community too. So what we don't know, or some of us might know, is that you know the religion as a whole is a 1.2 trillion dollar economic value system in the United States, and you know that's bigger than the majority of some of the you know top ten companies that we know of, which is Apple, Amazon, Google. Like you know. The religious industry makes more money than some of these companies. And out of that $1.2 trillion that come in just about every year on average, right? We have 14 and 418 billion of that come just straight from the religious congregation, mm-hmm. meaning like people who donate money to these mm-hmm. churches. So right there is like that was an alarming sign to me because I'm like, man, $418 billion come. In and out of the church, that's a lot of money. And then, you know, $303 billion of that come from religious institutions like universities, charities, health systems. And then the last $437 billion come from faith-based or uh, some type of faith-related or uh, inspirated business, um, mostly like Bible stores and stuff like that, um, T-shirt businesses, stuff like that. But the most intriguing part to me is that $418 billion that comes in and out of these religious congregations. Now, what we do know is religious is broken down into many denominations. So we have the black community. We have, you know, we have the the Catholics. We have, you know, different religions. Methodist, everything. It goes in. So I want to focus strictly on just the black number, like the black, the black percentage. So it's no research that I find that you know it says okay. 50% of this come from the black population. Yep. 
So let's just say twenty or ten percent of this. Uh, let's just let's keep it at fifteen percent. Fifteen percent of that four hundred eighteen billion dollars came strictly from the black religious. I think that's a safe number that we can say. Okay, fifteen percent of that four hundred eighteen billion came from the black. Yeah, that'll still be you know over sixty billion. Oh man, it's, it's a crazy number. So and then at the end of the day, you know, we still have every church have obligations that they have to pay. You know, they have employees on the payroll, mm-hmm. pastors have to get paid, taxes, a lot mm-hmm. of stuff, right? So let's just say half of that went to paying the bills. Is there? Is it safe to say it's like, whoa, where's this other thirty billion dollars going at? That's coming in and out of the black community by itself. And you know, uh, another intriguing, alarming number, right? What I find out is when it comes to black people, we're already the poorest people in the world. Yep. It's just a fact. We're the poorest. But the crazy thing about it, not only is we the poorest. We spend the most, and outside of spending the most, we actually donate the most. Yeah. So when a person, when you think about donating, when you donate, right, because you work inside of the political world, when people donate, what do you expect from somebody, you know, when they donate? Or what do that business, what do when they, they donate? Expect? Yeah. When, when they donate well, something, what, what do you think they should give So, back? So I'll say this. When, when people donate something, they have the expectation that, you know, whatever you're doing, will benefit their welfare, will benefit whatever mission that they have in some way, they're going to get, you know, not a direct um, payback for that, but um, those funds are going towards a cause that they see worthy. Um, So you have these large corporations. They normally, you know, they get tax write-offs for these as well. So they normally donate to, you know, Thanksgiving. They normally, you know, like a Walmart. Every Thanksgiving, they're going to donate. They're a grocery chain, so that's what they're going to do. They believe in that. Um, when you have a corporation or organization like the Miami Dolphins, um, something that's very high on their list of priorities is um, meals for the less fortunate or providing meals for the community. Um, so when it comes to you know soliciting donations for those types of things, um, they're going to be more proactive as far as doing those types of things. Um, they're going to be more willing to give and expect that, you know, what you're doing is providing meals for those people who are less fortunate um, or those people that might be in need at the time. So there's always the expectation that you're going to fulfill a need that's a priority of the organization okay. or you're going to address some type of uh, topic or issue that they um, have as a priority as well. So those funds are not just, hey, go ahead and do whatever. It's for a cause, it's for a purpose. And when people normally give, you know, especially myself, you know, there's an expectation that something that's being done is going to make me feel good about what, you know, I donated to. So there's some type of accountability, like you say, accountability that, you know, we expect, you know, okay, I'm giving you these funds. I'm holding you accountable for using them in the correct manner. Okay. So even with that still being said, so when somebody donate, especially, I mean, us black people, the black culture, when we donate to these churches in return, you, you would think we should get something. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah. So let's let's go to when we see a Catholic church. When I see a Catholic church, when I ride around my uh, another community or even inside my community, something I always notice is these Catholic churches. They always have like a even a Jewish church. They yeah. have schools School. attached to them, and not only they have schools. I Sports see programs, they have everything. 
They got their own ecosystem. And, yeah. and so I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm like, okay, where's our ecosystem uh, going on in a black religious community? Like, they're not trying to help us out. Like, as much money that comes in, they we should basically have, you know, the same, the same as and these Jewish schools, all these, these Jewish churches and these Catholic churches, but we don't. Agreed. And, and I agree to a point where um, I think that we should have... Um, these things in our communities, but I, I don't necessarily think that it's it's being done, you know, purposely. It's being, you know, I think it's being done out of ignorance, you know. So the fact that we either don't know or we're not pushing for it ourselves as those black, you know, as the black congregation, we're not holding the church accountable. Um, it's setting us back um, in a way because we're donating to these causes. Um and and honestly, as a churchgoer, I don't think that the only thing we should be getting getting is you know our spiritual um, food. I think you know at, at today with how everything is developing, you got a hundred ways to give to from you know the church gives you a hundred ways to give to them nowadays. So they just opened up you know a hundred different streams that they can give towards the church. Um, and us you know as millennials or um, or Gen Z. We're more prone to give online right. um, than in person. That's our preferred method. So it's like nowadays we have so much, you know, more access to giving the church. Um, but I don't think that there's people in the church pushing the agenda, you know, of, you know, what you just said. Okay, we need to build our own eco- ecosystem. We need to, you know, uplift the black community in that way. It's more so spiritual food. Um, you got prayer. Um, it's a community, but we don't have our own ecosystem, which I think is definitely possible. And right. I think it's being done out of ignorance and, you know, the issue is not being brought up or addressed. So when we say ignorance, right, is it truly ignorance? Because we have a lot of mega churches out here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I see pastors right around in like $200,000 cars. Yep. But then we have people that goes to the church. They give a tithes every single week, mm-hmm. and they go home poor. Like, but these Break pastors, yeah. exactly. But then these pastors get in a car, they drive off in a Bentley, or they drive off in a nice Mercedes Benz, and then they ride to their nice, probably million mm-hmm. dollar house. And mm-hmm. to me, that's a problem. First of all, I think any pastor that makes over a hundred and fifty thousand dollars—that's a problem <laughs> to me, right? Because now it's not about. It's not about helping, um, like, basically, when you started this church, you probably had the heart to help. But now that you're making so much money, is it truly the heart and, or is it greed? And Okay, so what I will say about that is I do think, you know, of course, pastors should be compensated. I know some pastors. I know a lot of pastors, actually, that don't get compensated for what they do. True. And honestly, their churches aren't as large, and they don't have the congregation that the mega churches have. True. But I will say that, you know... To an extent, I agree that there should be a limit. Um, you know, if, if, if I'm out here asking for my, my, my congregation to fund a jet or to fund a new vehicle, I just, honestly, my, me personally, I don't think that's, you know, something that's in God's will to, 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 you know, to, to have that in your possession, you know, even though you're doing God's work, I think definitely you should be blessed. But I don't think that, you know, we should be out here openly. It's because nowadays we're in an age where, you know, everything is, is normalized. So it's, it's being normalized now. Okay. 
every pastor is asking, okay, I need, I need this. I need a blessing. Bless me. Um, well, you know, I don't know you personally, but it seems like you're already blessed. Um, I can't, I'm not going to count your blessings. I'm going to only count mine. But at the same time, I do think there should be, you know, a limit, um, or some type of, um, expectations that we, you know, won't do those types of things. You know, as far as being a pastor, I think the priority definitely should be, um, you know, donating to causes. So we should be, be soliciting for the causes and not for this new jet or for this new vehicle. Or, yeah. this jet, right? So, <laughs> first of all, that's alarming. I, I think I, I think I read like one person in the comments say, well, he deserves to travel the world to go spread the gossip. And I agree. Yo, what mm-hmm. about getting on a commercial flight? <laughs> you don't need a... Agreed. Uh, like, when, I, when I'm reading these articles right now, like, one of these articles say, it's his fourth private jet. The pastor need his fourth private jet. Like, that's... I think he got the numbers. I think he wanted a G5 or a G6. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not too sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm reading right now. Yeah. them seven nets for $54 million. He asked his congregation to fund a $54 million jet. Yo, that's, that's mind-boggling. First of all, you can spend $54 million... And go lift up the poorest community. Yeah, scholarships. Like it's so much you could do with that. Imagine if that's that fifty-four million dollars yeah. went to buying, let's just say, one of the overtime projects or one of the buildings in overtime or building it up. And then you put your congregation in that building so that money they mm-hmm. pay for rent actually gets cycled right back into the church. Yeah. Now that's what I call money well spent, besides spending fifty-four million dollars on a jet, and then you still got gas fuels. Um, pilot and all this other stuff. Yep, all those types of fees. Oh, it's mind-boggling. I, I agree with you on that. Um, I, I don't think it's it's completely necessary for for you know you to upgrade your jet every uh, so often. Um, and and I do agree with you. You know about building our our own like like you said before building our own ecosystem um that should be a priority honestly because the the amount of money that that it seems like it's being spent you know and, and you know i may be wrong wrong you may be wrong we may be mis- misconceiving you know the, the whole topic and, and and how the churches are spending their money but um it's evident that we don't have our own you know apartment complexes. Mm-hmm. We don't have our own senior living facilities. We don't have our own churches. We don't have our own sports programs. Right. We don't have, you know, a program, you know, where you could go in and say, you know, to the church, I need help and, you know, I, I need help, you know, in, in, in a monetary, you know, fashion. I need some, I need money to pay my bills. Um, no interest. I've been going to this church for 20 plus years. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a um, tithes paying member. Right. I consistently pay my tithes no matter if I'm high, if I'm low. Um, honestly, I do think we're at the point, um, as far as society where we should be evolving with the idea. We should be evolving to the point where if we can, you know, do cash up and, sn- Whatever we're doing now, it's a lot. It's a lot of things, you know. All these websites, and why can't we involve in that in that manner as well? New ideas. We should because the, the crazy part is every other culture prosper like off the black community. And yep. uh, truth be told, it is like I'm reading another article here. To me, it's just like it's mind boggling, right? So it says a pastor buys his wife a two hundred thousand dollar Lamborghini Urus. Like really, bro? Like. The church paid for this. Now, I'm not saying that these pastors should not prosper for building a a big congregation. Like, you should be able to make some money. Absolutely. To me, I think 150000 a year, I think that's more than enough. That's especially if you're living in a small town that's not even 
Miami or Los Angeles or New York where we know the cost of living is outrageous. If you're living in these smaller areas and your cost of living to live there is 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 um overseas this hundred and fifty thousand reasonable budget you're getting paid, are you trying to overspend? I think now that's the problem because now you don't care about the people that's actually struggling in your church that's paying this these tithes faithfully. Like my grandmother, she made sure <laughs> I had to pay ten percent of my check. Like I'm like, grandma, I got to get 10% of my check to the church. Like, to me, that was crazy. What am I getting back in return? Like, but I seen, you know, my grandmother, my mother struggle. Like, they struggle and they pay their tithes faithfully, though. So, with that still being said, I think if someone is paying their tithes faithfully, a member should be able to walk into that church and that's the church for a one-time loan that they will pay back, just like they do with the, ca- the check cashing store they go to. They go take out money and pay them back. Why not a church have a check cashing store, which is a pillar in the black community, right? Because in every poor area, we have check cashing stores. But we don't own them. None own whatsoever. Them. None. But they, but we go there, and we have to pay this. We have to pay this money back. Why not have the church have this check cashing store, and whatever the profit that they make goes back into the community, and now we keep the cycle going. So something I learned, like let's use Walmart for example, right? Um, when it comes to the food stamp program. I learned that the the white holds a bigger percentage, but the blacks fall right behind. And we make a very absurd number from, we, we get a, a very large amount from food stamps. And what I learned is Walmart makes a bigger share of food stamps, right? Imagine if a church actually owns a grocery store and then they tell the congregation and everybody in this community to, hey guys, Go ahead and spend this money that you're already getting from the government, from government assistance, right? Spend this money inside our black religious churches, right? And that money, once we get done paying every worker that's in that store, the profits, the proceeds go back into the community. Yep. That right there is a is, is a change. People don't understand that the church communities can actually by itself change the whole economic system mm-hmm. in a poor neighborhood. People really don't understand this. Like they could change, they could have better schools. The church could build better communities. The church could open up stores. And the crazy part is, what a lot of people don't know is the church is a 5013C tax write-off. So a lot right. of these... So they, they, have special, they have special exemptions. Way special. You know, that, that, that's even further than regular you know, non-profit organizations. It's crazy. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know that. So like, what your normal 5013C tax organization gets taxed is way different from what your religious will actually get taxed. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people like don't even understand the, the benefits of how powerful the church community is. Like I found a, a, a article that was um, a church based off in New York. They have over a billion dollar real estate portfolio, and I was like, man, that's a huge real estate portfolio. Do you, do people understand what a billion dollars? That's powerful. <laughs> yeah, like imagine if a, uh, your mega church owned a billion dollars worth of property inside of your community. Do you know it just depends power? on what they do with it at that point. Exactly. It depends on what they do with it. So now we have to start questioning, is these churches really, you know, setting us back? Because I think a lot of these churches actually know this. It's, I'm going to use our church, where we grew. I'm not for the put the church out or what church, um, what I, the name of the church we went to was. But one thing I do know is we had a lot of successful people. A lot of successful, knowledge, come out knowledgeable. Of exactly. Principles. Athletes, superstars, you name it, they came out of our church. You know, our church was a pillar in our community, um, in, in overtime community. So imagine if 
our church actually did this. So for me to say that nobody don't understand that um, we can do this, I, and, that's crazy to me. And what and what I'll say is, you know, they under, we have members that understand because they're most likely doing it for themselves. They're most likely building their own portfolio up. They're most likely making wise investments. They're more like, most likely, you know, um, and sitting on the board for something. Um, so again, it goes back to you know we, we got to hold them accountable. Um, we got to hold them accountable and hold ourselves accountable. And what I mean by that is, you know, we have to let them know, you know, as a congregation, you know, as as a black community, um, because honestly, you know, faith leaders, um, they may be taking the traditional stance, you know, so they may be like, I'm I'm here to spread the word of God. I'm here to, you know. Um, help out spiritually um the community i'm here to give them the word um and we just need to fund this building that we're in um and we do community service here and there we do our drives we do our scholarships here and there but they're not seeing the bigger picture they're not you know they're not evolving with the time again um right now the access to you know money donations that the church has um it's it you know it's limitless you know you can give any time from anywhere any place any hour any how you want to nowadays you could probably get you know giving bitcoin now right. for some churches so the key to this is in my opinion is you know the congregation being aware of what situation we're in um it's ignorance you know so we don't know you know the power of the church even though we're in the church we only see it as our spiritual you know guiding tool that we use our community that we build um for spiritual guidance but we don't realize that you know this is a 400 plus billion dollar industry from from us alone we don't exactly. we don't realize that just as the black community doesn't realize that we power all the markets in the world we are the ones that influence all of those things exactly. um and we have to use that power to our advantage um so the church uses to our advantage by donating and then holding those in those positions accountable um bringing it to their attention first and foremost because they may be ignorant to the fact too they may be ignorant as well they may be professionals business people they may have these you know investments going on but they may not have the mindset to do that for the church in order to build that ecosystem that i think you know it's critical you know if we want to see the black community um prosper because because it it's what we dedicate most of our time to. Um, outside of work, most individuals, you know, most the black community, that's going to be one of the things we dedicate most of our time to. So uh, just to add on, so I, I would like to say also, so like I said, we have to let our um, trustee board members of the church know, also our pastors, we have to let them know that, yo, if we donating 10% to the church, I think we should start investing into the real estate. Mm-hmm. community um we should also start operating our own schools because the benefit with operating our own schools especially when it's a religious school is the the school board cannot tell that church what should be taught meaning if um whatever it will be a private institution exactly. at that point they'll have a curriculum but the, 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 they have the standard curriculum mm-hmm. but if we want to add on to the back the black curriculum meaning we want to teach other advanced stuff in that church, the the school the school board. I'm saying that school the school board cannot change it because now they breaking laws. We also should have more grocery stores. These churches should open up more grocery stores. The money that's coming into the church, we need to fund more grocery stores within the school. So the money that's being profit from these grocery stores, it get kicked back into the community, building better streets. Um, 
sending that money back to the school, you know, building scholarships, uh, more athletic programs, more not even athletic programs. Let's let's get these kids into the tech, the tech world. Yeah, STEM, yeah let's, technology. let's get this other stuff more than sports out here, right? Um, again, let's let's build more check cashing stores because at the end of the day, we already know the black community struggles. These check cashing stores is only in poor neighborhoods. How about the church operate as a check cashing store, right? If I'm paying ten percent, how about the church give out a system where I could pull out money? It's just like a four hundred one k, right? What a job give you? How about I pull out money one time? It's that member obligation to pay it back, and if they don't pay it back, they're not allowed to take out money no more, right? So how about these church open up systems where the money is flowing in and flowing back out into the uh, into the system? Because at the end of the day, it's not the church job to hold this money on reserve. It's the church job to take this money that's coming into the church and fulfill the needs in the community. Because the, the other crazy part is when you step out into your neighborhood, you see almost a black church. On every and, they, and they right next to each other sometimes. Exactly. Right it's across not, the street, down the street. It's crazy. So you, you got more black churches than it is drug stores, than it is mm-hmm. crack crack houses. I mean, they, they they own every corner. But these it's also a lot of mega churches in these poor uh, poor communities. We have to stop competing against one another, exactly. right? And and that was gonna that was gonna be my next point actually. Uh-huh. Um you know, we have systems, associations. We have systems where these churches work together. They come together. Right. They congregate. Um, just in our, you know, our church association alone, you know, growing up, we had lawyers. We had, you know, university presidents. We had professors. In every industry, we had somebody that was successful and that, you know, a young person or someone coming up in their industry could talk to and, and, and gain some insight from, some wisdom from. Um, so it, I think th- the most critical thing is, you know, these smaller churches, um, we need to, you know, assist them in, in, in what they're doing. Um, meaning that these larger churches, they have their congregation. These, these smaller churches, we want to help them maintain what they have going on already. We, wanna, we don't want to um, have them get to a place where, okay, it's the pandemic, so no one's showing up. So that means that the church is burning their bills, and that means that they may no longer operate. Um, since the pandemic has occurred, many black churches have been at risk you know, just because they're not getting those people in those seats, they don't have the capability to do the online church sessions. Many of their members are older, so they don't they don't know what a Zoom is. They don't know what a Facebook Live is, or they're not even willing to do that. So many of the churchgoers haven't even probably been in, been to church since the pandemic. Um, they they maybe listened to the radio or or you know looked at YouTube or something online, but they haven't been in the church doors in their own churches, mm-hmm. these small churches um, since the pandemic began. I think it's you know the most important thing is to build that. Again, it goes back to the ecosystem. Just because I'm a larger church, I'm a church I'm prospering doesn't mean that we still shouldn't connect with those smaller churches and give them what they need to survive. Exactly. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you know, we only hurting each other by not not building up as a community. Mm-hmm. So that's how we keep falling back into the I call the poor trap. We have to keep lifting each other up. So even with that being said, you know, the, the wrap is all up. You know, at the end of the day, like I, I said earlier, you know, Walmart makes nearly eighteen percent of food stamp benefits that comes in every year. We know about $20 billion of food stamps actually goes to the African-American community. So imagine if your church actually had its own grocery store to where 
that grocery store was raking in some of that $20 billion that was coming from the African-American community, right? We understand that when we have these political campaigns going on in our neighborhood, the first thing first to run is the church community. We need to start asking these Congress people, right? You know, what is it that you actually going to do for this, um, this community that can operate through this church that can actually uplift us? Even Joe Biden, I, I had to say. He, and he I won't even us. say, see, the thing is, I won't even say ask because at the end of the day, you can ask somebody who's not in office what they're going to do. And guess right. what? They're going to tell you what they want to do or what right. they want, or what they think they want you to hear or right. what sounds good or what's the politi- politically uh, correct um, answer. But at the end of the day, you know, we have as a church, again, we got to start evolving. You, we keep right. letting these people come into our churches, into our establishments. And, you know, after they leave and, and you know, smile, we get nothing in return. We don't we don't have a committee where they're engaged in politics, where they're, um, they're spreading whatever issues we're having in our community, where they're communicating that with our elected officials. We're not establishing those relationships. We're not establishing those committees. We're not establishing those line of lines of communication. So it's like they come, they, they sell us what they you know what we want to hear and then they get into office and we're waiting we're waiting but again there's no one there to pressure them there's no line of communication built because the church is the it's a big the biggest pillar in our community that's the problem i actually have like where is the double a where's the naacp or whatever you want to call them right where's the black lives matter like where's we know as in atlanta we got um what is called the, I think it's Raphael Warnock, or uh, the Congresswoman in Missouri. Like, we voted these people in the office, in these Congress spots, in these political positions, and I'm 100% positive they did a lot of their marketing through the churches. It's our job. And it's not even just a black church. It's, it's, it's not even just a black church. It's, it's, a, it's a national problem, but, you know, since we're talking about the black church, yeah. Um, it, <laughs> well, yeah, you're yeah. right. It, it, it probably goes on in, in every. Um, church category group but it just affects the black the yeah. black um, community more because we're being overlooked oh, and, most definitely. Uh, you know we get screwed the most like what, what they say we have i call it the soft heart we you know we was taught to you know look turn, turn our yeah. head look that's, the that's the slave mentality man. <laughs> honestly so, so we, we gotta start holding these people accountable like if we actually want to you know lift up our community especially within you know the church industry the religious industry because you know as we already said this is a trillion industry and 418 billion of that actually come from the church community, the religious congregation by himself. And, you know, just to go over other numbers, we already know 7% of, you know, the average black person, they donate 7% 7 of their gross income Mm -hmm. to churches and to nonprofit organizations. And this is and this compared to about two two percent from the white race. So you know, white America only give two percent of their network to um to nonprofit and religious and and, and white Americans are are, they're worth I'll say hundred and twenty what is it, hundred and twenty thousand um as far as median gross yeah. income. Well, they make way more than and we're we're about twenty thousand. Exactly. Um it's a, it's a huge disparity. It's a red flag. And I think we all should start questioning like, okay, so we because at the end of the day when we donate, we expect something in return. In return. Period. We have to. So we, we have out to here donating the most, right? We spend it the most. When it, when are we gonna start questioning and holding these people accountable for their actions for not returning the favor back to us? And 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 just to add to that, you know, we're not even just spending, you know, the most money. We're spending the most time. Mm-hmm. Time, you know, time is, is, is you know, equivalent 
you know, down there to money. We're spending the most time in church. We're spending the most money. You know, we're, we're putting all of our efforts into church. Not to say that it's a bad thing, but we have to, you know, hold ourselves accountable again, you know, as far as establishing our expectations and then bringing that to the attention of the people who are guiding us spiritually. Um, and we got to hold them accountable to make that happen, to, to bring it to fruition. So, guys, with that being said, let's start going to our church and, you know, asking the trustee members, the pastor, what is our mission? What is our future goal? And start working to progress from there. So, with that being said, that concludes our today's show on Unethical and Accountable. And, guys, make sure you tune in to next week about our next week topic, which is also interesting, which we're going to, you know, question, can we truly say is it our parents' fault for them not teaching us financial literacy? And is it also safe to say that this, um, we can actually learn outside of the school board? So with that being said, thank you for tuning in to our show. Once again, my name is Dwayne Walden. And I'm Cameron Floyd. Thank you all for joining. Guys, make sure you go ahead and hit that like button, subscribe, and make sure you share our channel. So thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you on the next show. Blessings.